The following story was told by M, a writer and mental health advocate from Mental Health Connecticut's Write On program. This story is raw, personal, and may contain language not suitable for younger listeners. Dear you, I was there the first time you hurt yourself on purpose. That day in eighth grade when he broke up with you, the first time anyone had ever broken up with you the first time your fragile self-esteem finally broke beneath you. I was there when Barbara saw the marks and slapped you in the face. You probably deserved it. You were both so young and neither of you knew what to do. You didn't know how to cope with pain and she didn't know how to help you. I was there in your freshman year of high school when the self-harm would come and go with the months that passed as you struggled to find your feet. I was there when you started being chronically absent from school because every morning you woke up feeling like you couldn't possibly face one more day when the stress manifested itself in migraines and physical illness and fatigue when they took you to the doctor and she asked, so, do all of your friends wear black? before prescribing you an antidepressant, when your mother told you that being on the medication didn't mean you were depressed, when you knew deep down that you were, but didn't have the heart to tell her. I remember that it helped for a while. The pain became manageable, and it didn't seem necessary to hurt yourself anymore. Dear you, I know that life hasn't always been kind to you, and that you've experienced pain that no one, even if they knew the stories, could truly understand. I remember the day your father left. Your brother picked you up from fencing practice after school and didn't know how to break the news to you. It took five minutes of pressuring him, and you would later realize significant courage on his part for him to tell you why he was so upset that he had come home unexpectedly in the middle of the day to find your dad and one of his friends packing all of his things away. How he had planned to go with no warning, leaving only letters behind. In the moment you were so upset that it took months or years for you to realize how heavy that burden must have been for your brother to carry, to know and to be the first one to know, to be responsible for telling his baby sister, who he'd always tried to protect from the harshness of the world, to have known for hours and not known whether to call his mom or wait for her to find out for herself. When you got home, you found two letters on the kitchen table, one for you and your brother and one for your mom. You went upstairs to read your letter in the privacy of your room and your brother went outside to vent his aggression, his frustration, his sorrow on a pile of wood that needed chopping. I don't remember you crying. Not at first, anyway. I think you were in too much shock to cry. I remember how you watched your mom's car pull up the driveway, wondering, what do I do? Do I run out to tell her? Do I let her see for herself? In a moment you would regret forever, you were so plagued with indecision that before you knew what to do, you heard the front door open and your mom walk in. 
There was a pause. She looked around the somewhat emptied room, and her eyes came to rest on the letter addressed to her on the kitchen table, and immediately she knew what had happened, and she screamed no in the most heartbroken voice you've ever heard. And alone in your bedroom, you started to cry. Reality finally starting to sink in that your dad was gone. I know you've never forgiven yourself for not warning her, feeling that being the only one to hear that crushing scream was your punishment. You carry the weight of your heartbreak with you, as if she had died that day and you had to bury her. I remember that that night was the first time you hurt yourself again in six months. I remember it every time I look down at your shoulder. Some scars fade, but some never will. Dear you, I know you feel like it's all your fault. You know what the word coercion means, but you don't know that it makes what he did to you assault. I mean, after all, you said yes, right? You won't understand what it all means until later. Five years from now, you'll be taking your first women's studies course in college, and you'll start to understand that coercion is still rape just by another name. It will change your whole world. I know you'll blame yourself for not telling anyone about his abuse, but how could you have known that he would do it to your friend next? When you learn this, nothing will be the same. It will set you on a downward spiral so deep that all you'll know is darkness. I know that you will wage war on your body, that you will carve fault lines into it, that you will touch your glass face and wish that it would shatter, that you will hold mortality and lethality in your worn out fists and question everything. I know that one day, you won't be able to see the point of fighting anymore, and you'll try to give up. I know that when you wake up on the bathroom floor, you won't tell anyone but your therapy group. I know that you will try to end your life. And I know that even after you've recovered, when you're 21, a senior in college, you'll stop taking the meds for your hyperthyroidism because they make you gain weight, even though you know that decision could kill you. And I forgive you. Dear you, I know you will become so lonely that you will accept any form of affection as it's offered, even if it's unworthy of you. You will take what is given because you think it's all you can get, no matter how many times you discover he's lied to you, that he's seeing someone else, that he's not as ready as he said he was. You'll forgive him because of his fears, because your heart is too big, because you don't want to see the truth, because you can't deal with the pain of admitting he's using you. His manipulation will make you feel smaller than yourself. The emotional abuse will make you believe you deserve the pain of dishonesty, that you can't expect anything more because you refuse to see it as it is. And you will hate yourself and wish that you could hurt yourself. But he would know, and he would never care about you again, even though he never cared about you at all. And even the absence 
of genuine human feeling and the crater it leaves behind are too much to lose. I can't promise you that it will be easy, but I can promise you that it will be easier, that you will be seen and understood and loved as valuable, that you will be treated with the kindness you didn't think you deserved. And when it comes to love, that's all you need. Dear you, I want you to know that I'm proud of how far you've come, even though we both know how far you still have to go. I've seen you make some of life's hardest decisions, and even though you sometimes made the wrong choice, you carried yourself through the doubt and the pain and the wretched and the dark with more grace and dignity than violence and rage. I know some days you feel weak and exhausted just from getting out of bed. And some days are brilliant, but some days just surviving is a miracle. And I know that some days you are too tired to maintain hope, let alone carry that light for others. And some days you are a beacon of sunlight pouring out into the abyss and leading them through it. I can't promise you that all days will be like the good ones, but I can promise you that not all days will be like the bad ones, and that's something worth living for. The story was recorded in front of a live audience at CT Improv's Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. Want to hear more young adults find their voice and speak their truth? Go to mhconn.org slash write on. That's W-R-I-T-E-O-N.